You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? It is Thursday, May the 26th, 2022. You're listening to episode 106 of the Good Pop Culture Club. My name is Marvin Yue, and joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets us through these very, very dark days. We have self-proclaimed professional Asian American just you. It's not good out there, Marvin. It's bad. Shit sucks. It's right real now. bad this week. Thank God I'm on meds. Man. I mean, this is a show where we talk about non-bummer things that will get us through the bummer things but i mean everyone who listens to us should be aware that bummer things are happening bummer things are still happening and the bummer responses to those bummer things are happening as we speak and mm-hmm. man it's it's bummer yeah also joining us professional coach editor han win who's it's probably tough for you guys out there because you got to cover the bummer stuff yeah. going on Yes. Uh, whenever something really bummer happens, Marvin's like, Han, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, do you have to pivot? So, um, it, you know, in case you didn't know, I work at Salon.com and, you know, they cover a lot of politics there and other topics. I work for the culture side, um, but it still means that if it's something really huge that um, even the culture side pivots a little bit to... So like we, I remember we had to do something for the whole abortion Roe v. Wade sort of like leak of the draft. Um, we did something for the slap, and now we've done something for Uvalde. Um, so it's it's yeah, it's a bummer. I'm I'm grateful that I feel like sometimes I can work with writers who can write meaningful stuff. So I don't feel like I'm flailing too much and just like nothing is out going out in the ether from my end. But uh, it's still, I would rather not have to do any of that. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Remember when we thought 2020 can stop thinking about existential threats? (laughs) Um, Like, you know, things are good again. Uh, You dumb bitch, Marvin. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No. No, there's existential... Physical, it, biological. There's monkeypox now. Apparently, it's things are. <laughs> you yes. know, I've lived a good life. I'm, I'm, <laughs> if it's my time, it's my time. <laughs> I I definitely googled how I can move to Australia and become a citizen. Um, not going to help my family, but you know, <laughs> they can move too if they want. <laughs> um, yeah, because I was just like, I. I how much more can we take? How much? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And anyway. I guess to help us cope with um, the shit that's out there, um, we watched a real dumb movie this week. It's a really dumb. great movie. It's so good, Marvin. <laughs> Marvin. It's, it's good. Dumb. You take that back. It's good, dumb. It's good, dumb. I had no, a good time. No, it was it's really smart. Dumb. It's really it's funny and smart. It's very smart. It's so dumb. It's so, no, it's, it's like to quote dumb in the fact that you'd be like, have a really good grasp of what you're satirizing. Yeah. It, 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 well, here's the thing I think it does high low very well and it meshes the two super well. So yeah. we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. In case you were wondering, we're talking about the new Disney animated feature, um, Chip and Tail Rescue Rangers, uh, which, yeah, it's pretty awesome. I'm excited to talk about it with you, too. But before we get to that, let's find out what pop culture is putting us through this, again, bummer of a week. Jess, what's popping? 
So in a few non-bummer highlights of my week, past week, I was able to watch Fire Island, the new Ooh. Hulu film that it's going to premiere on Hulu on June 3rd, directed by Andrew Ahn, written by Joel Kim Booster. And this is the much talked about, at least between us, much talked about gay, Asian Pride and Prejudice, prejudice adaptation set on Fire Island, the very uh, renowned gay resort town in off new york um and let me tell you like i'm really sad that it's like not gonna be in a theater because this is a movie you want to watch with a fun group uh the screening i was at was like friend a lot of friends and family uh a lot of queer folks and like the jokes totally landed um not only are they really I, i've also realized bowen bowen and matt and joel kim booster who are all kind of like internet personalities as well joel and um you know joel's a stand-up comic bowen is on snl and him and matt rogers have this really great podcast called los culturistas that have been going on for years now even before they both got fa- more famous and they're like just the same age you know they're the right age for at least for me so all the jokes are really landing and they're also just chronically online which I realize there are people who are not chronically online or not chronically on social media or on TikTok. And then when you try to talk to them, they like get none of the references. And you're like, <laughs> oh, I forget that like normal people don't clap when the Nicole Kidman AMC <laughs> teaser comes on. How dare they? How dare they, right? Exactly. But it was really great. It's beautifully shot. You know, it's Andrew. Andrew, And he's mm-hmm. bringing a lot of his, like, indie sensibility. It's it's a beautiful film. We'll probably talk more about it. But it's, like, a very sexy film. Um, it's a really good adaptation of Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot deeper than, you know, a lot of these rom-coms go. They talk about class and race and sexuality and monogamy it's it's pretty fucking fantastic and i think it's just a lot, lot of eye candy so much eye candy i was like oh there's a lot of like just skin in this movie and i'm like mm, i'm into i know that's not for me but i'm into it thank you thank you andrew thank you joel so definitely excited to talk more about it and for you to watch it, Marvin. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to see the little Quibi film that could and became this feature film directed by Andrew Arm. Oh, thank God Quibi like folded. This this is so much better <laughs> as just a feature film. Uh, yeah. I, I got to watch it and I'm very excited to talk about it in mid-June once uh, Marvin has seen Am it. I the only one that hasn't watched See, I got invited to the screen that Jess went to, but I promised my girlfriend that I would, would watch it with her. So I have to be true to my word. And so I gave my spot up for, I guess, Jess's friend who was a big La Culturistas fan. So everyone wins at the end. So Yeah. And then I just used my influence and got a link. So uh, <laughs> Damn. Damn. But you know Colin what? It was flexing on me. It was great, but I also just, just you say the little Quibi uh, film that could, there's a good Quibi reference in it. So something to look forward to. <laughs> awesome. I was, I, I, that was just, just like, oh my God, I like, was hyperventilating at that point. Very good joke. Amazing. There are a lot of great jokes. There's so many but good again, jokes. But you, again, you have to understand like internet culture yeah. to get half of them so but it's it's just like the chippendale rescue rangers which we will get into it doesn't matter if you don't get all of them you get enough of them i am curious about that but 
we're not yeah. we're not there yet. Um, Han, what's mm-hmm. popping? So uh, I watched many odd things this weekend besides Fire Island. I also watched Chippendale Rescue Rangers, but I also watched Stranger Things. And um, something that goes very well with Stranger Things is something called the Great American Tag Sale with Martha Stewart. <laughs> the, what, the, what? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, You know, this is the life of a culture critic. You know, you have to, like, be able to be very wide-ranging and just indulge and consume many types of things. Um, But, you know, everyone else will be watching Stranger Things. I don't need to talk it up. But um, this Martha Stewart thing, basically, this happened back several months ago. If you look on, like, Curbed, like, someone even wrote about going to her tag sale. But basically, Martha Stewart doesn't just have a lot of stuff that's, like, nice. She has warehouses, barns full of just so much stuff. It's insane. Like, they even go to a warehouse and she just, like, forgets everything that she has. She has, she doesn't have just, like, an extra set up, a patio set. She has about 20. Um, she has just bizarre things like, oh, I bought this window, these this set of windows because I thought I would, Go great on a gazebo I was going to make. <laughs> Ridiculous stuff. And God, so, I love that bitch so much. Oh, yeah. she. There is something about Martha Stewart that she is the privileged white woman that I totally enjoy. Um, I think it's because she has been able to uh, sort of move along and and evolve her brand a little bit so she's she is the privileged white woman who mocks herself who also went to jail who now hangs out with rappers she roasts justin bieber like she's able to do other things and so she has a sense of humor um uh and she's still laughing all the way to the bank um and yeah let's not feel bad for martha stewart yeah yeah i'm totally not feeling bad um and also you know the reason why she's having this tag sale besides the fact that she has just too much shit um, was like it went to some sort of charity or a hospital wing or something like that. Blah, blah, blah. Um, it is just a special that was on ABC on Wednesday. So you can probably I'm hoping you can get it on Hulu or one of those places soon. Um, and it's just the process of her setting up the sale with the help of, of course, a lot of experts, um, the prices they put on there, the, just the ridiculous other things that people would buy. People had to pay $250 per ticket. Um, people oh flew, flew in from all the states um, to attend just to get like a lampshade. Um, I, I probably, if I had gone, that would have been like the best date ever. But um, I would have probably like drawn blood because it had been like, I want that weird like <laughs> um, buffalo statue or whatever <laughs> they had. Um so that's really what it is. Is I think honestly, this could have been a series where every episode was just focusing on like one genre of junk, uh, because all I want to do is just get the experience of browsing the junk. Um, she like there's she sold like bones for a Halloween display, not real bones, but you know. Oh, fake I was bones. like, oh my gosh, just bones! I well, love that for her. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if there are real bones. You see a few celebrities stop by, you know, Blake Lively, what she bought, and then someone who just like uh, phoned it in and was like, I want this to buy, but she didn't actually go, which was Chris Jenner. Um, yeah, it was just fun time. Way too short. Uh, ridiculous stuff. Very fun, sort of like um, I don't know voyeurism there. <laughs> so I recommend it if you like that kind of thing. Uh, and it's just a nice way to turn off your brain for I don't know an hour or two. So <laughs> that is mine. 
what is popping with you, Marvin? All right. So I know Han teased this show <laughs> a while ago on her coverage of every single press tour um, presentation ever. But um, I caught the first episode of Rat in the Kitchen. Um, it's been going on for a few months now, right? Or at least a mm-hmm. couple weeks. And in case you need a refresher, Rat in the Kitchen is um, a show hosted by... Um, Natasha Leggero yeah. and Ludo Lefebvre. Yeah, Chef Ludo uh, is the chef judge. And basically the, the pitch is six chefs compete in team challenges. One of them is a rat slash saboteur. And they need to figure out who it is to win money or else the rat takes whatever he stole from the pot. And so it's kind of like uh, it reminds me of that old 2000s era reality TV show, The Mole, mm-hmm. except more like episode by episode. And it's, uh, it's made by the same person or at least okay. conceived by. Mm-hmm. So it has that pedigree. And it's a lot of fun. You know, it kind of reminds you of those hidden identity games like Mafia and Werewolf where everyone's trying to like suss each other out. Games that give me trust issues. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, those kids are not good for my psyche. <laughs> the show is a lot of fun. Um, I do like the concept, and I'm probably going to watch more, but I'm bringing this up on What's Poppin' because um, this first episode was a little rough for one reason and one reason alone, and that's because... Um, so in this first batch of chefs, there was one um, Vietnamese man. His name was Koi. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically... He wanted to make something with fish sauce and all of the other chefs, besides probably the other Malaysian women there, were like, fish sauce? That sounds gross. You must be the rat. That's racist. Mm-hmm. And yeah, my partner and I were just like, what the hell is happening? It's fucking racist, man. <laughs> Han, you watched a couple episodes of this show. Um, how did you feel about this fish sauce slander? Oh, my God. I, it was probably the best first episode for me to watch because it got me, like, all head up and, you know, just, <laughs> like, just outraged. Um, I, did the guy play up the fish sauce angle more? Perhaps. Um, but I did I did think it was ridiculous that everyone automatically assumed that if you like fish sauce and want to put it in things that they do not deem appropriate, then he must be a rat. Yeah. So it's just like, you must be a saboteur. Yeah. At no. this point, they all deserve to lose because they're just, they're the worst detectives then. Because if you're a saboteur trying to steal money from this group of idiots, you're not the one saying, I'm going to put fish sauce in it. Right. You're not <laughs> obvious like that. Um, the other thing is, uh, so during press tour, I did ask, uh, Chef Ludo to please defend fish sauce because I was like, you are a Frenchman. I was waiting for him too. And he <laughs> he I, didn't do it on camera. Yeah. So that's why I was like, I had to get him to do it in a press conference. And so he, he did say he loved it and like used it in many things, which of course yeah. he does because he's a Frenchman and there's colonization <laughs> of, of Vietnam. So, you know, he has to be nice. Yeah. I mean, I get that the editing makes it look, it's more funny to say, oh, look, something exotic, that must be suspicious. But yeah. I, I kind of that wasn't wanted, great. I wanted the editing to also like kind of redeem Koi because in the end he did get called out as the most likely um, yep. rat. And the reason the chefs gave was fish sauce. Which yep. is bullshit. Yeah, um, racism is showing, y'all. Yep. The funny I, thing is, <laughs> so this is a spoiler for the first episode, but the rat turns out to be one of the two African-American contestants and the other one was looks so betrayed because everyone mm-hmm. thought it was the fish sauce man and I thought it was the white girl, to be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, the one who talked too much? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So the interesting thing is um, I found out that of the six chefs, um, 
how the uh, rat is chosen is they're told just the night before. So they go in thinking they might be competing normally, but then they get told that they're the rat. And so then they have to go into competition like on the fly trying to figure out how to sabotage um, the recipes and things like that. So um, I thought that was actually pretty interesting because you have to almost think about like how are the ways I mess up recipes and then do that in an organic way to other people's food um, and not get caught. Yeah, I mean, this show is a lot of fun, and I and we do plan on watching more. I just hope I don't know how, how many episodes have you seen, Han? Do they get I, better I, with the the I, microaggressions? <laughs> I actually don't know, but I assume they do, uh, just because you can't have a fish sauce guy every episode. Um, I haven't caught up with it. Uh, it's uh, it originally airs on TBS, mm-hmm. and I don't believe that it is streaming yet on um, HBO Max. So I need to actually catch up on cable on demand but yeah i it's 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 totally enjoyable it's also just one of those shows i totally forgot about after the initial run so i was just like oh that would be a great background show i really wish it was on streaming (laughs) i think they're up to episode seven now so i'm looking forward to catching up and it's not like a week-to-week competition like every week it's a new group of six chefs so definitely check it out especially if you're feeling sad that top chef is coming to an end in two weeks because you know there's there's always there's always cooking shows going on. They're not always good, but this is a fun one. So yeah, yeah, this it. was actually a decent concept. So <laughs> as long as they keep the microaggressions to yes, let's just hopefully. like not do it anymore. I don't know, but yeah. that might be too much to ask for people who are looking for things to be suspicious of. And it's like, yeah. Anyways, uh, moving on from one cooking show to another, um, it's time to check in once again with Go Asian Good Pop's weekly recap of what's going on on the latest season of Top Chef. Um, we're down to the last challenge in Houston before they go on to the very exotic culinary <laughs> city. Destination of uh, Tucson, <laughs> Arizona. Man, what a... I mean, no shade against Tucson, I'm sure. No, we could shade Tucson. Like. <laughs> what a this... I mean, if you're like on top, if you're like, oh, where am I going to go? Because like before they went to like Macau, they've mm-hmm. been to like Italy. Italy. And for this one, they're like, oh, you're going to uh, you're going to Tucson, Arizona. Yeah, Tucson actually has decent food, but I would definitely be disappointed if I were a contestant <laughs> and I stayed in the domestic... like. At least get them to Hawaii. Or, yeah, just, or a lot, they went to Alaska, Alaska. The one time. Yeah, just get them off the continent, you know? <laughs> but, the, uh, yeah, Tucson is definitely landlocked. Yeah. I mean, okay, <laughs> so. if any of our listeners actually live or have, you know, want to defend Tucson, I'm all ears. Look, Let me I vi- <laughs> yeah, I visited Tucson um, and the food was very good, but I stayed in a hotel that was supposedly haunted. And so I did not get sleep that night. Uh, so, so I blame my ex because he was the one who chose it, and I, even though he he's made like, you go to Tucson, well, his, his family was there. So, um, and, and I actually liked his family. His cousin was a very smart lady. Oh. She's a scientist, but I was like, scientists in Arizona, yes, they exist. Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, the that's... and the food is actually pretty decent, decent there. But the haunted hotel, nope, nope. <laughs> That reminds me of when uh, we took a a weekend trip to San Diego. I had some free nights to use, so we stayed at the Hotel Del Coronado. Was that also haunted? Yeah. Well, the first thing we (laughs) did was turn on TV, and they were playing, you know, the hotel documentary, and they were talking about, and they were talking about the hotel ghost. Let me tell you, I don't really believe in ghosts, but my partner does. And we were supposed to go to Charleston, and I found this like it's it's oddly expensive to stay in Charleston, and I finally found this very cute boutique in a nice area where we could walk. 
and then thank God I checked the website and I was like, most haunted hotel in Charleston. I'm like, nope, absolutely <laughs> cannot do this. He yeah. would not step into the building. You don't have to tell oh, him. I would visit. So here's the thing. I don't. I actually don't believe in ghosts, but it doesn't matter at nighttime. Um, the, the veil between reality and my brain, it doesn't matter. Like That's why I can't watch really scary horror movies because they will haunt me at night. Mm. And so once I heard that it was haunted, and then of course I read how it was supposed to be haunted at that hotel. I was like, oh shit, why did I do that? This is true. I remember watching The Grudge because I got a free, um, I got one of those like, <laughs> oh, watch this movie for free and tell us what you think about it tickets. Oh, and no. then that film made the shower scary, it made your uh-huh. bed scary. Um, basically, all <laughs> the safe places in your house is scary yeah, because of that movie. Just like The Ring made your TV scary. <laughs> Uh, they know. Or, or, or Final Destination made driving behind a truck full oh, of logs I have, scary. <laughs> I do have trauma responses to driving behind <laughs> To this day, I, will sti- I still will not drive behind a truck hauling <laughs> logs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we cannot be as lucky as those other guys. But um. <laughs> Top Chef. All right. This episode, no quick fire. Straight to the elimination challenge where they um, get on a boat, go fishing, and cook what they fished. Which... In theory, sounds like a great challenge, except I don't know about you, but I catch jack shit when I go fishing. So I've never been fishing. Oh, my God. You're just like Damar. <laughs> I mean, like, getting on a boat requires, like, multiple steps. Yeah. And then, like, getting on a boat to fish is even more steps. Just never gone fishing. Oh. I fish a lot in Animal Crossing, though. Mm. So I actually miss fishing. I I grew up fishing a lot. um, And my cousins used to do a lot of freshwater fishing and get the huge fish. Like I always got tiny fish. Um, (laughs) But when I came to L.A., I did pay, you know, for one of those boat tours where you go fishing, deep sea fishing. Um, And so that was really fun. I I, I highly recommend it uh, if you want to try that, because I think there is something different about going on a boat to fish versus like just on a dock. Um, yeah. so, uh, yeah, it, it, I, it's fun. So I actually saw that challenge as kind of like, I, yeah, I hope I would get a good fish, but honestly, I just would want to hang out and drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, they all caught the same type of fish, which apparently is not the best fish to cook with, but they did it anyways. Yeah. And... A tough fish. <laughs> um, although Evelyn did catch a catfish. Um, she, yeah, she caught a tiny catfish, which she badmouthed, And I was just like. Evelyn, if you do Southeast Asian slash Vietnamese cooking, catfish is perfect for uh, certain recipes. Yeah, Ga- you're lucky to get a catfish. Yeah. Ga Kha is one of my favorite ones. And in fact, I've been after watching that, I was like, fuck, how do I can I get this in L.A.? Because I was like, I don't want to make it myself, but I probably should. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, like I always ate it when I was in Houston and I haven't been back to Houston in what, three years there is so, a place near me that does the um the cat the giant catfish like make your own wrap type of family meal thing hmm. um but mm, they closed down because no! they're building a hotel <laughs> on that corner. No! that was such a sad story i got I, yeah. so excited i was like marvel let's go eat the catfish oh uh, no catfish capitalism ate the catfish for you <laughs> Okay, we'll have to check out to see if like any of the places near you too um, has the yeah. dish I'm looking for. Let's do it. Um, but okay, so they caught their fish, they made their dishes, and lo and behold, Sarah, the returning chef, 
did well. She um, won with her her pastrami sandwich um, snapper with tofu and kraut broth, which at first sounded nasty, but then I thought about it. I was like, hmm, that kind of sounds like, like a kimchi soup, kimchi mm-hmm. jjigae. And so I said, okay, I get it. But um, yeah, she did well. Her and Buddha both passed. Evelyn did okay. She made it through. Um, she was lucky because her dish was just mid, right? It was just whatever. But at least yeah. she didn't mess anything up. Yeah, yeah. She did tacos and then something else that everyone was just like, we kind of you know, know this stuff already from you. You didn't really <laughs> stretch. And I'm just like, uh, at least she didn't mess up. <laughs> so <laughs> I, you know, I've been gunning for her for a while. I like I like her food profile and she, she seems to be able to execute pretty well. Yeah. So this was a little bit of a bummer, but at least she's not out. And then on the bottom, we have our two guys, Nick and Damar, who... Both have been doing pretty well throughout the challenge, throughout the competition. So it's kind of sad to see one of them go. Um, and it ended up being Nick because I, I just feel like Nick was probably had the stronger run out of the two of them. But his mistakes at the last challenge were just real bad. Yeah. He like I don't know if he choked to the pressure, but he definitely like made real careless mistakes. Yeah. Well, Nick was also known as the baker because he kept winning all the prize Quick money. fires. Yeah. Yeah. So since he won all that bread, uh, it's, he'd be fine. And uh, he w- we will see all of these friends again um, in the finale when they get to help be the two That's chefs. true. That's true. We'll <laughs> oh, yeah. Send them all I forget. to Tucson, Tucson. Arizona. <laughs> yes. But yeah, no, I was I was I think the writing was on the wall when his big mistake was forgetting the binding agent for his fish cakes yeah like even i know how to do that and so for him to say oh i forgot it and i was like can't you put something in there like don't just say you can't do it um yeah that that must so in the end we have buddha sarah evelyn and damar heading into the finale go asian lives on um buddha i watched this episode last week before you know all the shit from this week, so I don't remember much about what he did, but I think personally, I feel like it's a trauma <laughs> response. But I feel like he's still the front runner, both because a he's Asian, so we got to root for him, and b because he probably has the best skills going to a finale where creativity and execution are like the most important. So um, hopefully, he doesn't lose it in Tucson, Arizona. You know, it's, it's real hot out there. Uh, looks like they'll be cooking with um, nopales. Oh, so interesting. Uh, but yeah, Goasian lives on. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk about part one of the finale. And with that, that'll do it for what's popping for this week. When we come back, we're talking about Chip and Dale, Rescue Rangers. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Robin. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Robin Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Maracas to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Luniang. You might might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, right? Yes, they could do that, but you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. 
set phasers to fire. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club on this week. We're talking about the latest, greatest feature film from Disney. A reboot of the beloved Disney Afternoon Classic, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. A hybrid live-action animated CGI film <laughs> um, about the titular Rescue Rangers Chippendale, um, starring Annie Sandberg, John Mulaney, um, directed by Akiva Schaefer. So this is like uh, this is a Lonely Island joint, right? Lonely Island, yes. Yeah, um, lots of great stunt casting, including Will Arnett, um, Keegan Michael Key, Seth Rogen, J.K. Simmons, um, Eric Bana, um, and Kiki Lane. And it's one of those, um, you know, when you're doing a reboot of a beloved cartoon classic, there's a couple ways you can go. You can go for the straight reboot where you're telling the story again. And you can go for like the meta reboot, right, where the show itself is a show within a show. And that is the path that this version of Chip and the Rescue Rangers went on. And I got to say, when I first saw the trailer, I didn't know if I wanted to watch this film. It looks so unhinged. Um, but I'm glad that I did because it was, it turned out to be a lot of fun, a lot of good, dumb fun. But, um, Jess, you were really excited about this. Han, you were as well. Um, what did you all think about Chippendale Rescue Rangers? Yeah. So I actually like this era of cartoons, like I totally miss like Marvin, you talk about like Darkwing Duck and like some of these things. I'm like, what? I mean, I kind of <laughs> know, but I have no sentimentality towards those, but a lot of people, who I follow online, a uh, funny people I follow online, um, were like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. And then I have driven past the posters in LA, for those of you who don't know, when you drive through like LA and Hollywood and some like, you know, the like where the Hollywood people are, the movie people are, you'll just see like posters plastered on like construction walls, and construction projects or bus stops. And mm-hmm. I was like, wait, why is one chipmunk like CGI? Why is yeah. one chipmunk like not? I'm like, I'm so confused. Like, is this a TV show? And then I started realizing what it was. And I'm like, oh, it's Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. It's Roger Rabbit. And then I, re- I then I learned more about the premise about how it is a reboot about reboots. And I was like, okay, okay. And then I started and I fucking loved it because I realized Chippendale Rescue Rangers sits in the direct middle in the intersection, we shall say, of everything I love, which is like detective mystery stories and L.A. Hollywood movies. I love movies about movies. And then also like animated movies, <laughs> which I, I really, I truly love animated movies. Um, I will watch an animated movie in theater and like not watch. I haven't watched Dune, but I've watched <laughs> like the Suicide Squads, but with animals, the bad guys. Like, I just love animated movies. It's a good time. <laughs> and I fucking loved it. Oh, my God. It was like, it was, agree, Marvin, it is unhinged. But it is unhinged in a way that serves our modern streaming audience. This movie was made for streaming because you need to rewatch it. You need to pause. You need to see all the sight gags. Um, there were really, really funny sight gags. Like, did you guys catch all the great mm-hmm. movie posters in this universe where there where there are sentient animated <laughs> souls yeah. and, and people. 
the sheer volume of just IP involved in this project, it's, it's like Disney opened up its vault and told Lonely Island, just do whatever you want. Take whatever I, you I, want and, and put I'm, it in this I'm film. I'm super surprised. I don't know which producer or, or how they convinced Disney to let them treat Disney property this way. Because, <laughs> you know, we're talking about like cheese addiction, which is just drugs. It's just drugs. Sticky cheese is just drugs. Like Ratatouille's shooting up in the cheese place. Um <laughs> And then, you know, the way they get around non they get non Disney IP in is pretty funny, too. OK, um, we'll put a pin on that because I want to go back because I want to know this story. But Han, as someone so like just mentioned, Disney Afternoon is a very specific touch point for a lot of people who came of age, not even come of, came of age, who were children in the early 90s. Right. It went from 1989 to about 1992, 93. And that was when I was in, like, first, second grade. So this is prime, like, come home from school and watch these cartoons time for me. So this film hits that sweet spot. Like, we, we, all, we all know this. I was down for DuckTales when they did their reboot as well. Um, but Han, as someone who, you know, was probably, like, already a teen when these cartoons came out, what did you think about Chip and Rescue Rangers? Yeah, so I was on the tail end. Like, I always watch animated stuff throughout, but, like, I watched original DuckTales, but I never got into Rescue Rangers, Darkwing Duck, you know, the rest of the Disney afternoon. I was just like, ah, that's too much. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely missed out on that uh, of the, I don't know, giving giving plots to these Disney characters. Because, like, <laughs> I remember the original Chippendale when they were not having adventures. So uh, it, this... I mean, 100%, it didn't matter to me, which is what the nice thing is. Um, it, it didn't matter to me what the story was because they pretty much set it up really well. Um, what I liked about it was, uh, so the reason why, besides all of my critic friends saying, oh my God, I love this, um, like a week or so before it premiered, was I follow Rachel Bloom on Instagram um, ever since Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and um she is married to Dan Gregor, who is one of the writers for this. He, oh. Yeah, he also was a writer on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and a bunch of other stuff. So he he's a very funny guy. And she said, um, and so like watching her Instagram, it was just really interesting because she's like, here's a picture of me in the first season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend because um, people are like, oh my God, you're in the hospital. And she's like, no, this is on the set. And she's like reading an early draft script of Chippendale Rescue Rangers. So this has been in the works for maybe a decade or more. Um, and so that's what's the fascinating thing about it is when you're talking about all the meta um, stuff about Hollywood and things that even I wonder if anyone from like, I don't know, Florida understands what's going on um, in this movie. It's This is why it, it's so perfectly well done is like this guy has been embedded in Hollywood, you know, for ages, you see a picture of him like in the his Instagram, uh, like as a kid with Chippendale characters, you know, character actors. And then you see him as an adult with the characters um, <laughs> and, and he's, he's like it has a tear in his eye. It's just so That's sweet. Very sweet. It's super sweet. So you can see the love. In this in this movie. And that's why I think it kind of works because they know how to make it just um, uh, faithful enough that you're getting all of the, you know, the hits of like who each character is and what they what happened in their future. Um, But then you also get like, yeah, all the irreverence (laughs) of everything possible in 
Hollywood to riff off on. <laughs> so that for me was just like, it's a super dense movie. Like it's not even just all the movie posters, but like at the convention, I was just like kept pausing and I was like, I'm just going to have to give up and just keep watching. You know? There's, yeah, it's very dense in jokes, both visual and also in the script yeah. as well. Um, fun fact, uh, apparently Rachel Bloom was in this film. She was the oh. voice of Flounder. Oh, that's so cute. That is hilarious. Yes, yes. So, yeah, I I very much enjoyed it, although I did get a little exhausted. <laughs> um, and I, I kind of wish I saw it with people. So that way we could just yell at the screen and pause and like, go back and, you know, that type yeah. of stuff. I was texting my boyfriend. We watched it at the same time. And I was like, this is so... This is so dense. Like, I'm I'm like, I can't catch all the jokes. And also, the entire time, I was like, do kids understand what's happening? There were some deep cuts. Like, the whole joke about the Polar Express CGI. like Uncanny Valley. Uncanny Valley. Kids these days don't know Polar Express. (laughs) No one watched The eyes joke. The weird eyes, right? And so good. Seth Rogen as the the dead eyes. Um, And just, like, the cat's. The cats in the alleyway. Oh, that joke God. was just it for was you, so Jess. Good. I know. I mean, it's. I just. I do love movies about movies. Um, and you know, I took a whole class about this. I've watched Gauntlet, and you know, one of the films you watch is kind of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm-hmm. You know, movies about L.A. that mythologize, 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 myth making, myth making about yes. L.A. <laughs> I am interested though, because again, I didn't watch the original Chip and Dale, so I don't know any of like what the characters are supposed to be like. But like, do they have to invent a new personality for like IRL Chip and IRL Dale? I mean, so the original Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers was like a weekly kind of crime-solving show um, about like a detective agency run by rodents, um, because you know sometimes some crime goes slipping through the crack. Um, so it's kind of similar to what you see on screen. Um, Chip is the straight man and Dale is kind of the funny one. Um, they are different in the show than like in like Disney canon because original Chip and Dale were just two chipmunks who just fuck with Mickey Mouse. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but because this is Disney, Mickey Mouse off limits in this movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. But in the show, they were like your titular like kind of buddy cop. And then basically they form a crime fighting team with Monterey Jack, who is the cheese junkie. And also the muscle um, gadget, who is the sexy, sexy lady in the house, who like is the mechanic. <laughs> I heard people were mad because she wasn't as sexy as they wanted her to be. It was like, you guys need Jesus. Yeah. I'm not even religious, but you need God. We don't do n- search gadget fan art online. It is no, a dark, absolutely dark place. not. This do is not. The, this is the reason why I think actually I like this better than Roger Rabbit, which is a great film, but it's because it didn't get too weirdly adult and sexual in a way that I was just like, even as a kid i was just like i don't know about yeah this. i was like jessica especially like i should have named with jessica rabbit i was like this is not a good time for me yeah yeah i mean yeah. gadget from the show was a it was a mouse with not even big boost but she was in the jumpsuit and was the sexual awakening <laughs> of a lot of boys um in my Again, in my class you guys need not me <laughs> i mean the, the jumpsuit is the way that a lot of animators have m- supposedly been able to make very uh, voluptuous female <laughs> characters without showing cleavage. So April of TMNT for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, but of course, Gadget yeah. is a mouse, a mouse. And I'm um, just like, Gadget, mm. she's a mouse. <laughs> stop, stop and, sexualizing the animals. 
And then Zipper, their pet fly, who, let's not get into spoilers. Yeah. We learn more about Zipper in the movie. It that that was a little wild. I was like, <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah. Like, um, hey, sure. This is, this is where you know that, like, an adult has taken over and just like, <laughs> all right, we're going to, like, really go there. Let's just uh, go all the way. Let's mm-hmm. talk about cartoon biology let's yeah there's a lot of like taboos i guess um sort of referenced here and and yeah there kind of there's no no one's safe (laughs) basically it's definitely like that lonely island like irreverent like just let's just go for it they're gonna they're giving us money to make this specific movie they said yes to the script we're just gonna take it all the way and (laughs) it's like you know yeah i feel like their mantra is like the worst they can say is no (laughs) And then somebody at Disney was like, must have been going through something. Like, Clarence was like, must have been distracted. Like, it was their kids, like, sweet 16, and they were dealing with that or something. Or, like, going through a divorce. And they were like, yeah, 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 sure, that's fine, that's fine. And then they're like, really? Okay, let's do it. Let's cram I mean, it all in yeah. before they change their mind. What we've learned is Disney doesn't care as long as you don't mess with their Marvel shit, the their Star Wars shit, or the mouse. Everything else, fair game. Um, but to answer your initial question, um, the characters that we see in this film, I mean, it is their general archetype, right? Um, Chip is the straight man. Dale is the goofball. But in this one, they kind of infuse them with the actors that play them because definitely Dale is the Andy Sandbergiest character to ever Andy Sandberg in a film. And that's saying a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, can we, I, I, I know animated films are... You know, they're very long processes, as Han mentioned before. Like, the script's been developing for years, if not, like, a decade. And, you know, I know for a fact they record dialogue first. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, man, like, a bad week to release a movie starring John Mulaney uh, when he's been be- not being a great ally. Mm. Uh, so that kind of... And, he, you know, he sounds like John Mulaney. always sounds like John Mulaney. So I'm like, uh, like, okay, you're a chipmunk. I can kind of forget about it. But also like, uh, kind of <laughs> to put a little cloud over this like feel good movie. Yeah. Um, on the bright side, some of the other stunt casting was just choice. Like Monterey Jack <laughs> is played by Eric Bana in his Love natural it. Australian accent. I cannot believe that's what Eric Bana actually <laughs> sounds like. It It's a little unsettling. Uh, we got uh, Will Arnett has Sweet Pea, which this is the wildest thing. This is like Disney saying, okay, the character assassination for one of its most beloved properties, right? Which one was Sweet Pea? That was Peter Pan. <laughs> sweet oh, Pete. Sweet Pete. Yeah. I thought you were like, doing, oh, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, and, and, and what was it? Uh, J.K. Sim- Simmons as the Gumby knockoff Right. Did detective? you recognize that as Gumby? Because at first I it's thought like he was just a weird pigeon. Gumby, right? But then... The, when he like started shaving off his hands, like, oh, that's Gumby. That's stop motion. They probably Gumby. couldn't get the rights to Gumby, so they couldn't use the name, but made him purple and Gumby esque. Yeah, I, I mean, all the things are just off enough that you're like, I think that's that sometimes, and then, but also it kind of also doesn't matter. His name is Putty, Putty. <laughs> which is great. Um, and then the the person that uh, Kiki Lane, she's uh, also a police officer. She's playing as what's it called us. Uh, not Elliot Stabler. It's um, Ellie, Ellie. Ellie Stackler. Sticker. Yeah, something like oh, that. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Yes. That's hilarious. Okay, and props to Kiki Lane. I love Kiki Lane. She is fan. She's so versatile. She could do like the straight drama, prestige films. She's great in old guard action movie. And I'm just like, oh my god, this poor woman has to act with five tennis balls. Yeah, surely uh, she is the Bob Hoskins <laughs> of our age for sure. Yes. Bob Hoskins still got some other people to act against, I think. Like like uh, Christopher Lloyd, 
she's acting against putty and five cartoon rodents. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I it was interesting because th- I think she was one of the few. Yeah, no, she's the only ongoing like live person yes. in there. Uh-huh. So uh, I enjoyed her, but yes, I just the the plot around her was also interesting. Um, I think it it fit together fairly well as she was a super fan of Chippendale Rescue Rangers, um, or was which, she? Well, supposedly, dun, dun, dun. yeah. <laughs> um, there are twists. There are <laughs> surprises. Um, I'm trying to think what else is going. On. Uh, okay, but the best cameo. Let's be real. Yeah, Ugly Sonic. Let's let's yeah. Let's talk about Ugly Sonic. Yeah. Right. I don't, so I, think... I was not expecting to see <laughs> Ugly Sonic, which for people who don't know is the scrapped original design for Sonic from Sonic the Hedgehog that the internet willed out of existence. I thought that was so brilliant because at first i was like oh great great little like uh punchline there when we saw him and his name was ugly sonic i was like haha but then he comes back and it becomes a thing and it just like it every single time they would show well his teeth because he has these human teeth i was just <laughs> dying <laughs> and he's like a little rundown like as a person like he's seen some rough you know some rough times and he's like no i got a ugly sonic uglier crimes show with the fbi i was like this is this is wonderful yeah Wait, was he played by ben schwartz or is he different oh i, I don't know actually look this up i don't know actually Sonic. who played him let me see oh no it's not uh, it's not ben schwartz never mind Ben Schwartz cannot play Ugly Sonic. Oh, I think that's like a call. I think I don't think um, who who Paramount will let him play Ugly Sonic. But they sure got a Ben Schwartz sound alike to play Ugly Ugly Sonic. Yeah, Um, I I feel like that is probably the pinnacle of all my like my favorite jokes, and it just and it's the obvious one that everyone just like points to. Wait, so Sonic isn't Disney though, right? How no? Yes. So apparently, if you. By using the term ugly and calling him ugly Sonic, that is protected under fair use as parody. Oh. So they can get away with it. And I think even though they did get like access to a lot of Disney characters, they had a lot hell of a lot of parody. In Ugly Sonic is not the only one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this film is also a it's a pastiche. It's a parody film. It's like it's a gag film, really, just full of jokes and and some heart too. There is some heart yeah, in there. There's also you know a nod to our favorite franchise, Fast and Furious. There's like what else is there? Uh, there's just so much to the point where everything. I was talking to my friend, and she and I just agreed. I was like, I kind of want to see those things. Like, oh, I would love to watch Batman versus yes. Eats. Yes. It was also well done. <laughs> what they showed us, just the clip of that. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, and I just it, watched this too. Well, th- this is the nice thing is like, even though it sounds like we might be spoiling some things, we are not. It is probably of like 5,000 jokes more or more. These are like three we've talked about. So. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the Swedish chef knockoff that they have in this film. It's just a cheesemonger. Yeah. <laughs> everywhere you look, every line, every. Yeah. Just, there is no time wasted in this movie. I, I will say I do feel like, you know, in this ongoing conversation about. A cab and mm-hmm. abolition. I was like, it's still a little copy to me. Even the cops end up being, you know, kind of, you know, in the in the in the mystery noir tradition, a little dubious. Um, 
and so I won't go into detail, but I'll just like Joe Kim Booster, speaking of him, like tweeted like I get a feeling that A Cab includes Chip and Dale. <laughs> I was like, I kind of get that too. I don't, I can't, I can't articulate it obviously, but I was mm-hmm. like, mm, do we need more? Because uh, you know, if they were in real life, this would be like a CBS reboot, mm-hmm. like a C- NCIS CBS. Yeah, you got reboot. Yeah, you got one guy in a Hawaiian shirt, of course. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I mean, the original Chippendale um, design was based off Magnum PI mm-hmm. and Indiana Jones, which were both supposed to be Tom Selleck. Yeah, inside joke within inside jokes, but um, I mean, the original Chippendale they were more like private investigators. They're like people you talk to when the cops don't help you. Yes, but at least they weren't bonkers. Bonkers was a cop. Um, I don't know these characters, Marvin. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. We're t- when we're, if we're Not talking born about Deep yet. <laughs> I watched that, but it's been so long because it's it's actually an old, very old property. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think Bonkers was the original show within this show because he's basically a... Here, I'm going to give you the setup for Bonkers. Uh, basically, he's a bobcat that used to be in a lot of old Disney shorts who is now a wash-up actor, so he decides to become a cop. And so he's solving crimes around Toontown, runs into a lot of other old Disney properties, playing it's like Bonkers? Citizens. Yeah. American TV show? Oh. Wow, so nothing new, huh? <laughs> Bonkers also made a cameo appearance oh, in Chippendale Rescue that's, Rangers. that's Bonkers! I've seen him on, like, Disney merch before. I did not realize yeah. he had a name. It's a cartoon cop with a human partner solving crimes in Toontown. Mm. Oh, there's like just a lot of weird, like old, forgotten animated properties. Like, did you? Were you guys like maybe maybe this is after time, but like Pound Puppies? Uh huh. Yeah. Or there was like one with like cats. Pound Kitties. Pound Kitties. Were they? They were like secret agents. Like they had a lair that, and the entry, the entry to the lair was, or like they're like high tech. You're thinking of Paw Patrol. Nah. No, Paw Patrol's <laughs> the one, the current one with the A cab dogs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I don't remember the. I don't remember Pound Puppies being secret agents. There's something about there was some kind of dogs and they were secret agents. Hold on, dogs, animated show secret agents. So they were dogs, not cats. They were. I feel like they might have been a mix. Who knows? There's. All I know is when you Google cat secret agents, I got something about the CIA. Oh, no, now they're following you. Yeah. Well, apparently the CIA tried to turn cats into secret agents and it ended really badly. Of course they did. Oh, that's any cat owner could have told you that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dumbasses. Oh, that's a great headline. It's like uh, click. But yeah, uh, I I don't I guess they're kind of cop adjacent, but they're not actual cops. In the yeah. Show. PIs no. are fine, yeah. right? Yeah. We're fine with PIs. Yeah. But we did spend a lot of time with the popo in this movie. Yeah, this this movie was pretty like cop heavy for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they did show that a lot of cops are dirty. So <laughs> that, mm. that's true. Part of that that's is, yeah. true. All right. So uh, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers 2022 film. Is this good pop? Yes. Well, I'm biased, obviously. Uh, I would love more films like this. It's it's you're definitely seeing the influence of like Lord and Miller and kind of this very um, or I would say this and this is people making 
content for like a social media adult world where all our brains are Swiss cheese and we just kind of need this density to be entertained. But at the end of the day, you know, it's really well written. It's very funny. It's very smartly written. And I feel like if we raise a generation of children on this weird shit, I would feel good about the future. (laughs) I'd rather have them be watching this than Paw Patrol. Uh, yeah, I think what I liked about it was um, because it was it's written by someone who is older, who loved the, you know, the original. But also that since this was in the works for so long, you can almost trace the way certain jokes and characters have been added to it over the years. Because you see like the, the DJ Scat Cat who was with Paula Abdul in it. You see Roger <laughs> Rabbit. But then you see Ugly Sonic. And you're just like, I remember when Ugly Sonic happened. <laughs> you know? And so It was not that long ago. No. So that's why I thought it was like fascinating. Because um, I was like, how, like, at what point did they say, okay, the script is done? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like an animated film. You can't just like decide to change it like right away. It's it's a pretty prolonged process. And, and Ugly Sonic was... What, like 2000? It was the last movie I watched before pandemic. So it came out in 2020, which means we probably got the trailer in 2019. Yeah, it's getting... Well, and also now we're getting Sonic 2, which means I need to go back and watch original Sonic. And then It's very good. Yeah, so I've heard. But here's the funny thing. It's like, I haven't watched those, but I've seen Ugly Sonic first. So in in a way, it makes sense. This is the origin of the Sonic that we eventually... I eventually get to see. So, yes. It's great. It's great pop. <laughs> yeah, I also think it's good pop. This is a film that on paper should not work and shouldn't have worked, but definitely did work because it is that perfect mix of both like th- that Lonely Island irreverent humor um, and also just an onslaught of nostalgia. And like we mentioned before, specific nostalgia that hits me in all the right places because I was like I was the prime target in my childhood for Chip and the Rescue Rangers. There's a lot of things in this film that I actually owned. I own some of those pogs oh. that they featured in there. Um, the NES Chip and the Rescue Rangers game. I played that game. I never got past the first level. It was fucking hard but I had that cartridge um, and just all like the callbacks like the Disney Afternoon theme song makes an appearance. Um, lots of just Easter eggs left and right. It's- Are you pissed that they never actually give you the theme in full? Except for the cover. I mean, we got the cover song, which is fine. (laughs) Is it, though? (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Once you stop watching the movie, then Disney Plus automatically brings you to Chippendale Rescue Rangers, the original series. Yeah, YouTube exists, so it's fine. I can listen to that song anytime I want. No, I Um, mean, it literally just gives you the the original show. So I actually started watching the first episode because it just rolled into it. It's still good. And also, just there's a lot of things that we didn't cover in this discussion that are amazing and you have to watch it. Like you may think, you know what you're getting into listening to our conversation. You don't, you're not ready for this film. It will assault your every sense. And, um, you know, I think you'll like it. We think you'll like it. We think it's good pop. (laughs) I think if you listen to this podcast, you will like it because let's be real. Good pop club is a deep ass pop culture cut. (laughs) So you must be chronically online as well. Yeah. Um, and we appreciate you. And you'll like this movie. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for a discussion of Chippendale Rescue Rangers streaming now on Disney+. Plus. Um, Jess Han, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? 
my trash takes are on Twitter at Just Jude Tweets. And I am at Hanonymous. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Uh, check out our fellow Asian American hosted podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, we'll be back next week for, I guess it's the end of the month. So next week will be our Do We Want This uh, monthly news segment. Um, and man. It will be June. Hey, APAM's over. Congratulations, everybody. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably the worst Asian. It's fine. It's, it's, <laughs> it's been a long month, everyone. Uh, but yeah, we'll see you all next time. Bye. 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 Brian, did you go to Saturday school as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. 